Well, good morning and welcome to First Church and from all of our leaders and staff, Merry Christmas. So glad you guys are here. And today we have family meeting out at Stone Canyon as well as others watching online. So if you would put your hands together, welcome them into our service today. Let me just see by a show of hands at all of our campuses, how many of you guys enjoy Christmas music? Any Christmas music fans in the room? Okay, a whole bunch of you. That's what I figured. My family, they love Christmas music, especially Alice and my wife. On any given day, I'll come home from the office and there's Christmas music playing in our house. Or I get into her car and she's got Christmas music playing on the radio. She loves it. And so I'm used to hearing it all the time. And I can tell you guys like it as well from all the hands that went up. So I'm going to put that to the test. Let's see how well you guys know Christmas music. We're going to play a little game, and this is how we're going to get started. I'm going to play a clip from a well-known Christmas song, a song that probably you've heard on the radio or maybe you've heard at a Christmas party, and I'm going to play just a clip of it and then stop it. And when we stop the song, what I want you to do is carry the next line. So feel free to go ahead and sing along with the song as it plays, and then when it stops, I want you to carry the next line. We're going to have a little bit of fun at your guys' expense, but it's going to be great, I promise. I know when I was a kid and my mom would drop me off at children's church, she knew we would sing and she would always tell me, sing loud, sing proud. So I'm going to tell you the same thing, okay? Sing out loud. I want to hear you. Let's go and start with this first song. You've probably heard it before, Rocking Around the Christmas Tree. You will get a sentimental feeling when you hear singing, let's be jolly. Wow. Wow, that is great, man. Good job. Okay, but let's see if you can be even louder on this next one. Have a holly jolly Christmas. Here we go. Have a holly jolly Christmas, and in case you don't hear, hope by golly. You guys do like Christmas music, man. That's impressive. Okay, this was one of my favorite songs as a kid during Christmas time. Jingle Bell Rock. That's great. And let me just see by a show of hands, how many of you guys have actually gone riding in a one-horse open sleigh? Anybody? Okay, one person. All right, great. Hey, there's a couple in the back. Okay. Hey, we sing the song. We may not have done it, but it's still fun, right? Now, we couldn't play this game if we didn't play a little Mariah. So here's Mariah Carey. You even held it out and everything. That's awesome, man. Okay, one more and then we're done. Okay, one more. Grandpa got run over by a reindeer. Walking home from our house Christmas Eve. Okay, don't finish that. That was just a joke, okay? That was one of my favorite songs as a kid during Christmas, and I had no idea what some of those lines meant. So we won't get into that. But thank you guys for playing along. Give yourself a hand. That was great. That was just awesome. Now let me ask, what do all of those songs have in common? Well, they're fun, they're fun to sing, and they're Christmas songs. We typically, we typically don't sing those songs any other time of the year but this time of the year. But what else do they have in common? Well, they are considered Christmas songs, but the other thing they have in common is they don't say anything about the one that Christmas is supposed to be all about. And I think those songs prove a point 
they prove that we can celebrate a holiday that's all about Jesus and never actually acknowledge him. It's possible, if not even popular, to celebrate Christmas and miss Christ all together. And if I'm being honest with you, there were definitely times in my life when I did just that. I mean, when I was a kid growing up, I loved Christmas. If you asked me if I liked Christmas, of course I did. But if you were asking me why I like Christmas and I was being honest with you, what would I have said? The presents, the gifts, right? The kids in the room know they all shattered it out. Yeah, the presents, that's what I like. Now, I grew up in church. We went to church every Christmas. My family would always read Luke chapter 2, the story of Jesus' birth, before we would open a gift. I grew up knowing the story of Jesus' birth, and I believed it. I believed it with all my heart. But if you asked me what I got most excited about during the Christmas season, it would have been the gifts, the presents. It wasn't Jesus. And honestly, as adults, sometimes... We're not that different. I remember meeting together with my family one year for Christmas. We were having a great time. I mean, it was a fun afternoon. And in the middle of us having all this fun, one of my family members spoke up and she said, I just love this. This is what Christmas is all about, spending time with family. And that hit me in that moment. Really? Maybe she didn't mean it like she said it. But is that really what Christmas is all about, spending time with family? No, don't misunderstand me. I love my family, some of them. No, I love my family. I really do. I enjoy spending time with them. But is that really what Christmas is all about? See, if we're not careful, we can spend time with family and friends this season. We can spend time traveling and spend time shopping and spend time looking at decorations and putting up decorations. And we can spend money and money and more money and never spend any time with Jesus. And if that's you today, if that describes you, don't feel bad. I'm not gonna jump on you, I'm not gonna scold you, that's not my style, and I don't think that's what Jesus would want me to do. But if you will permit me, what I wanna do is share with you why Christmas is so meaningful to me, and why I think it should be meaningful to everyone. If you'll permit me, what I would like to do is share with you what Christmas could be for you, what Christmas should be for you. I just want to share with you what you might be missing. And I think once you realize that, it'll give you a completely different perspective on the birth of Jesus. Because it took me some time to realize just how epic, just how incredible, just how life altering the birth of Jesus really is. Jesus' birth, it's bigger than a mere holiday. It was a cosmic game changer. The world will never be the same again because of his birth. And that's why throughout this series at First Church during the month of December, that's why I've said this line over and over again. Jesus wasn't born just to start a holiday. He came to revolutionize life as we know it. And if you'll let him, he'll do just that to your life. And if you'll let me, what I want to do is shine some light on how he can do that today and shine some light on why his birth is so important, why it's worth celebrating. Because in John chapter 1, we read this fascinating line about Jesus. And it says this in John 1 verse 14. The word, speaking of Jesus... The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Now, it's interesting to me that when John decides to introduce us to Jesus, he doesn't talk about Mary and Joseph. 
He doesn't talk about the trip to Bethlehem. He doesn't talk about a star in the sky. He doesn't talk about a manger. He doesn't talk about shepherds or wise men. He doesn't talk about any of the stuff that we normally mention this time of year. No, when John decides to introduce us to Jesus, all he wants to do is emphasize how God chose to live among us, dwell among us. He writes these words, the word became flesh. Translation, God came down the ladder. Now, when a lot of people think of God, the mental picture that they have is this supernatural, almighty, all-powerful being that lives way up there somewhere, up there in a galaxy far, far away, somewhere unknowable, somewhere unreachable, somewhere unattainable. And they believe that that's just not the case, but that's the way that God likes it. God likes having distance between him and us. But John chapter 1 tells us something very, very different. See, God created us for a purpose. And you know what that purpose was? To live in relationship with Him. God created us to live in a loving, intimate, personal relationship with Him. He created us to be His children, and He is our Father. But the problem is, sin put distance between God and us. Sin built a wall, a barrier, that separated us from God. And God couldn't stand to be separated from us. It broke his heart. And he couldn't stand what separation from him had done to us. He couldn't stand to see us in all of our pain and heartache, all of our emptiness, because we were separated from him. And so God decided to do something about it. God knew that we couldn't go to him, but he could come to us. God decided to do something about it. He decided to come down the ladder. Now, my daughter, Addie, she's 21 months old, and we have a baby monitor in her room, so if she cries in the middle of the night, we can hear her crying and check on her. It has a video screen so we can watch her if we need to. And the other night, she woke up crying, and we heard her, and so we decided to check and see what was going on. And when we looked, we noticed that she had gotten sick, and she had made a mess all over her bed. And so you know what Alice and I did? Well, we said, she'll be fine till the morning. We rolled over and went back to bed. No, of course not. Of course we do that. We would be awful parents if we did something like that. You know what we did? We got out of bed and we went straight to her because our hearts went out to her. We couldn't stand to see her in that mess. And that's how God felt. When God looked at us and the mess that sin had caused in our lives, he couldn't stand to see us that way. And so God came to us. God came down the ladder. John writes... The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. In other words, God opened the door that separated our world and His, and He stepped through. God broke through the barrier, the wall that sin had created, and He shattered it into a thousand pieces. The one who created the universe became an embryo. The Almighty became a fetus. The great I am pushed against the walls of his mother's belly and floated around in amniotic fluid. The God who created everything became part of his creation. Yes, the Almighty, he took on eyebrows, fingernails, elbows, knees, two kidneys, and a spleen. God came down the ladder. And when he came down the ladder, he didn't come as an unapproachable dignitary 
or a famous celebrity or a comic book like superhero. No, when he came down the ladder, there were no parades or parties, no hoopla, no hype. In fact, the large majority of the world didn't even notice him, didn't even recognize him. No, when God came down the ladder, the only people that heard his first cries was a poor little peasant girl and a scared carpenter. The first hands that changed God's diaper, they weren't manicured hands, but they were calloused and dirty hands. God came down the ladder, and he did so for a reason. God came down so that he could bring us up with him. He knew that was the only way. He knew we couldn't get to him, but he could come to us. And that's what sets Christianity apart from all other world religions. You see, at the foundation of, of every world religion is a works-based system where you try to take different steps to get back to God. So you do good works, or you say good things, or you do certain religious practices, and you take a step closer to God. Carry out certain religious rituals, you get another step closer to God. You memorize certain religious dogmas and uh, proverbs and platitudes, you get a step closer to God. You do good works, and hopefully, over time, you will have somewhat limited access to God. But Christianity is very different. According to the gospel, God didn't wait for us to come to him because God knew we never could. God came for us. In other words, salvation is based on him, not on us. Jesus didn't come to burden us with more religious rules and rituals. He came to give us access into a loving relationship with our Heavenly Father because he knew there were never enough steps we could possibly take to have the type of relationship with God that he wanted to have with us. Jesus came down the ladder to give us a life with God that we didn't deserve and to give us a life with God that we couldn't earn. His birth was a cosmic game changer. The world will never be the same again. And if Jesus were standing on the stage right now with me today, I think he would tell us a couple things. He would give us some reasons for why he came to the earth. And I believe when you understand why he came, you're going to want to spend some time with him. You're going to want to get to know him and celebrate him. And the first thing that I believe that Jesus would say to us today is this. I think he would say, I can relate to your life. I think Jesus would tell us, I came down the ladder so that I could relate to you. See, for 33 years... Jesus experienced everything that we experienced. Jesus was tempted just as we are tempted. He was tempted with things like lust and pride and greed. He felt exhaustion. He felt weak at times. He felt tired. He had colds and he had sore throats, earaches and fevers. He experienced everything we experienced. And as a teenager, he probably had pimples and bad hair days and God forbid B.O. Now, thinking about Jesus on those terms makes us feel a little bit uncomfortable because we don't like to focus on Jesus' humanity. We would much rather focus on his divinity because when we focus on his divinity, then we can keep him packaged and predictable. But we shouldn't ignore his humanity. There's a reason why God became both fully man yet stayed fully God at the same time. 
because he wanted to relate to us. God became one of us so he could fully relate to us. His becoming a man wasn't a symbolic gesture. It wasn't a flashy stunt. And that's why Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. Jesus experienced everything we experienced and yet was never corrupted by sin. And I think his name alone reminds us that he can relate to us. See, we elevate and celebrate the name Jesus, and we should because of who he is and what he did for us. But the name Jesus in the first century world, it was a common Jewish name. There probably wasn't a school throughout Judea that didn't have a little Jesus in it. A lot of the high priests had that name, Jesus. It was a common name because God came to be one of us. In fact, if you saw Jesus walking down the street or if he was checking out at Walmart, by the way, he probably would have been using the self-checkout because he came to serve and not be served. So he probably would have been the self-checkout. I don't know. But still, if you saw him at Walmart or saw him walking down the street, there was nothing about his appearance that would have made him stand out. He was an average Joe. And that's why Isaiah 53, 2 says, He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He looked like one of us. He was a normal guy, jeans and t-shirt kind of guy. He was the type of guy that would have watched a ball game with you on your couch or would have thrown a football around with your kids in your backyard or helped you grill steaks on your back patio. He refused to be a statue in a cathedral or a clergyman with long flowing robes. No, he chose to be like us so that we could become like him. So if you've ever felt lonely, so has he. You ever felt rejected? So has he. You ever feel misunderstood or discouraged? So has he. You ever felt pain or loss, heartache? So has he. And if he could physically stand here, if he was physically standing here on the stage with me today, he would look at you and tell you, I can relate to your life, whatever you're going through. I can relate to your life. But I think Jesus would also tell us something else. I think he would also tell us that he came to rescue us. He came to rescue us from darkness. And that's why in verses 4 through 5 of John chapter 1, it says, His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. The darkness of sin robbed us of the life God intended us to live. Sin left us isolated from God. It left us searching for meaning and purpose and value. So Jesus came to confront the darkness, and that's what light does. Light confronts darkness. And what I needed is the same thing you needed. We needed the light of our Father to shine on the dark places of our lives so that we could see where we needed help, healing, and forgiveness. You see, Jesus came to show us a way out of the darkness, and that way out of darkness, it's the way of the cross. The way of the cross is the way back up to God. And the way of the cross teaches us that forgiveness isn't achieved, but received. See, we forfeited the life that God intended us to live. We forfeited it by choosing sin, and sin made us dead to God. 
But Jesus came to make us alive again. He stood in our place. He swapped places with us on the cross so that he could pay the penalty of our sin and we could be made alive again. And some of you who are listening to this message today, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because you were once dead in your alcoholism, but Jesus made you alive. You were once dead in your depression, your addiction, your pornography, your greed, your selfishness. But Jesus made you alive. He rescued you from the darkness. And I can stand before you today and I can celebrate Jesus and get so excited and so pumped about his birth because I'm in the same boat. I'm excited today because I know I was once dead. But Jesus made me alive. A couple months ago after I preached a message, guy in our church named Danny met me out at the hub and he said Chad I want to take you out to lunch and I want to share my story with you and so we went out to lunch and he shared his story he talked about his past and after we cried together as he was telling me the story I said Danny would you share that with our entire church and he said yeah I don't think I'd mind doing that he had no idea I was going to ask him to do it on Christmas Sunday but that's what I did and so we sat down with Danny just a couple weeks ago and filmed him telling his story take a look at it I was raised uh, about 20 miles west of Guymon, Oklahoma on my family's farm. As a kid, my dad working in the oil field, uh, once I was old enough, about nine or 10 years old, I was farming in the summer and, and doing that by myself in the field. That's kind of where I came from as a child. And I graduated and then decided to go off to college. I uh, got an apartment in Guymon, Oklahoma, and, and I, I got a job at at a place called Gibson's. One day, I had some, some of the guys that partied with me um, that worked there. They came and they said, hey, you know, leave the door open and we're gonna put this stuff out in the back and uh, we're gonna steal this stuff. And I did it and they sold it. And then we did it again. And then, you know, a car stereo thing turned into a TV and then July 14th, 1993, I was met by two Texas County uh, detectives from the Sheriff's Department. They turned me around and they asked me to place my hands on the car and they said that I was under arrest. And uh, the district attorney basically said he was gonna make an example out of me. And then he looked at me and he said, or I'm gonna give you another option. And he said, there's a program in Fort Supply for youthful offenders called RID. And if I successfully complete the program, then he would give me two years probation and he would defer the charges. Every person that's ever convicted has to go to Lexington, Oklahoma to be processed. I can remember when we pulled in between those two fence sections of all that razor wire. Guards started walking around that uh, suburban. I wanted, I wanted to die right then. I did not want to do this. I was scared. Fear is not even a word for what I experienced during this time. The prison ministries came in and I struggled between facing God and being able to get out of my cell for two hours. At the end of whenever they were talking, they, they talked about Jesus how he can take everything away. And I can tell you that I spent a lifetime learning 
and, and reading and going to church. And that day, Jesus came alive. My 30-some days came by, and then it was time for me to go to Ridd, probably about a month before there, before you could get visitors. And um, the first thing, my mom saw me, and she came running, and she just she wrapped me up in her arms, and she just hugged me, and I started crying. And my dad is not a, he's not mean. He's got a huge heart. And he always wanted the best for me. And I couldn't face him. I couldn't look at him. And he lifted my head up and he looked me in the eye and he said, you're my son. And this does not define who you are. And you do what it takes to finish this and you come home. All of that was 25 years ago. I'm 46 years old now. I got married, we had kids. I um, went on to become an electrician. There's times that pain will always be there. And there's times that struggle's always gonna be there. But there's no reason for shame to be there. I love the part when he said that his dad came to him and said, I will always be your dad, and this moment doesn't define you. See, I believe that's why God came down the ladder, to let us know that this darkness that had overtaken our lives, it doesn't have to define us, that he will always be our father, and he will always love us, and that he came to provide a way out for us. And that leads me to the last thing that I believe Jesus would say if he were standing on the stage with us today, and it's this. I can rewrite your story. I can rewrite the story of your life. See, even though Jesus came as light, we still live in a world where there's a whole lot of darkness. And that's why Jesus said to his followers in Matthew 5, verses 14 and 16, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Remember what I said earlier, God came down to be like us so we could become like him. And the more we become like him, the more his light shines into the darkness, the more we impact and change the world around us. Because through our Christ-like love, generosity, kindness, grace, hope, and truth, the light shines through the darkness. See, no one wants to join a basketball team and then after joining it say, hey, I'm just going to spend the rest of the season on the bench. No one wants to retire from a company after years of service and hopes that the contribution that they made to that company is quickly forgotten. No one wants to live a life and then after they die have no one show up to their funeral. We want to be difference makers. We don't want to be space takers. We want to be difference makers. And here's the thing, that's what God wants for us as well. And that's why the revolution that Jesus brought to the world, it's not his alone. He's now entrusted it to us. He wants us to be a part of it. Call me crazy, but I believe that First Church has been placed here at this point in history to unleash a revolution of God's love on the 918 and beyond like Northeast Oklahoma has never seen before. Call me crazy, 
But I believe that you are here for a reason. You are here because God wants you to unleash a revolution of His love on your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, your teammates, everyone you meet who stands right now at a distance from God. God came down the ladder to teach us something, to teach us that contrary to what the world believes and thinks, we don't ascend the ladder to, the, the ladder to greatness, but we descend the ladder into greatness. That's what he did for us, and that's what he expects us to do for others. And that's why tomorrow we're doing something different on Christmas Eve. We're doing something we've never done in the history of this church. I know some of you guys are probably asking if you're new here, if you haven't been here for a while, why aren't they having Christmas Eve services tomorrow? They always have Christmas Eve services. Well, we're not doing that. Because instead of having back-to-back services, what we decided to do was to celebrate Christmas today, have all of our services today, and then on Christmas Eve, we're going to go in and be the church, and we want to unleash God's love by sharing meals with people in our community. So we're going to meet here tomorrow at 10 a.m. and do just that. And we've already heard so many positive stories just from planning this. But guys, we believe that's what God wants us to do. Our mission statement here at First Church is to love Jesus and love like Jesus. And those aren't just words. That's who we are. That's who God is calling us to be. And so this Christmas, let me challenge you. Let me challenge you to make a difference by shining your light in the world around us so that everyone you meet will know who Jesus is and what he came to do. And so this Christmas, may we be reminded that the revolution that Jesus brought, it's not over, it's not finished, but it lives on through us. May we take his light and may we share it with everyone we meet so that he can continue to shine in our world in the midst of the darkness. May his revolution live on through you and through me. From my family to yours, Merry Christmas. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for today and this time we've had to meet together in this place and be reminded of why you came how important it is, and Father, what your coming did for the earth. Father, I just pray that as we go out this Christmas and we celebrate you with our friends and family and whoever, that we will always remember that you came not just to start a holiday, but to revolutionize life as we know it. May we take your revolution to everyone, everyone that we meet. May we shine your light in the midst of the darkness. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. He's the reason why we live every single day. He's the reason why we celebrate and sing, not just this time of year, but every season of the year, because he is king, and we, we are with him, and he is with us. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen.